we are in the middle of a series about getting the advice from God. And this morning, I just want to remind you about what we've seen so far. Uh, two things so far. First of all, God wants to give you advice. It's clear in His Word that He wants to guide your life and He wants to show you and help you make good decisions. The second thing that we saw, and this was last week, is that God only offers advice if we are being obedient to God and we are willing to be obedient to what God says to us when we ask Him for advice. And so we've seen those two things so far, that God wants to speak to you, He wants to teach you what you should do, He wants to help you make decisions when decisions are hard to make, and we've seen that if He's going to do that, we need to be obedient people And we need to strive to do what He wants us to do with the things that He has already asked us to do. In James 1.5 that we saw last week, we read this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now this is, this is good, right? I mean, for each of us. I mean, just, it, it seems so simple. It, it's just, James says, you ask and you receive. And when we, when we talk about finding God's advice, and I know that, that you're here this morning, you're thinking, is He really going to finally help me understand how I get God's advice? Well, the, the key thing is, according to James, is that we ask for it. The other thing that we saw a couple of weeks ago is that Jesus says that His sheep, His followers, will know His voice. And when you put these two things together, it, it seems so simple. I talked about uh, my dog Roy a couple of weeks ago because Jesus uses sheep and I don't understand sheep at all, but I understand my dog. And I, and I said that it, it's, it's like that. I said it's like leading my dog and, and sometimes I, I pull him around on a leash and, and I say, look, you need to do this because it's, it's going to not be safe if you don't do this, if you don't follow me this way, if you don't get out of the way of that, that pothole right there, that's not going to be safe for you. But other times when we're at the dog park mainly, he's free to do what he wants. And I give him advice, and, and I say, hey, Roy, uh, here's what you should do. I, I want to show you a video, and, and I want to show you how I think following Jesus should look. You see that? And, and so it seems when we're, when we're hearing Jesus' words, and, and we're, we're listening to what James has to say, we ask, and then God tells, that, that it should just, it, it should be simple, right? But it doesn't seem that it's always that simple. Sometimes we sit around and we ask God and we say, God, what do you want me to do? And, and we don't hear anything. Or at least we don't think that we hear anything. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to begin looking at how God speaks to us and how we can listen to the voice of God so that we can understand what God is guiding us to do, what He is advising uh, us to do. Now, each of you has a piece of paper underneath your chair and a pen. And uh, you can grab it right now. Go ahead. I, I understand that this sermon series is, is intensely personal to most of you. It, it's been really interesting as we've gone through this series to, to see the response that it's getting. You know, I mean, we, we, we've gone through this whole study on Job and dealing with, with, with heartache and, and struggles and life's tragedies. And yet, when it comes to God's advice, it seems like you as a congregation are engaging a lot more. And I think it's because with the book of Job, sometimes we face horrible tragedies. 
But I think that when it comes to needing advice from God, almost always there's something in us that's looking for advice. There's a decision that needs to be made. And so I know that this is intensely personal. And as we go through these next two weeks, I want you to apply everything that I'm saying to real life situations. And so, just right now, I want you to take a minute and write on that piece of paper uh, a decision that you would like God's advice about. Uh, A decision that you would just like to hear the voice of God guiding you on so that you can make it in the best possible way. So go ahead and and write that down. We will return to those pieces of paper uh, later, but for now, just, just write something down. Now, as you get that down, you're going to go, okay, good. Here we go. Now, Chad's just going to give me step one, step two, step three, and then I will know exactly what to do in this situation. But God doesn't work in a step one, step two, step three way. Any book where, where an author, a Christian author writes and he says, if you do this, this, and this, then God will do this. It's wrong. It just doesn't work that way. Listen to the ways that God guides His people in the Old Testament. Creation, angels, prophets, dreams, visions, Urim and Thummim, a gentle voice, fire, a cloud, a burning bush, preaching, judgments, symbolic actions, signs, miracles, writing on the wall, a donkey, a trumpet, thunder and lightning, smoke and storms, a fleece, the sound of marching on the treetops, face-to-face conversation and conviction of the heart. In the New Testament, the list is a little bit smaller, but still pretty impressive. The risen Christ, nature, angels, dreams, visions, a response to prayer, prophets, casting lots, signs and wonders, preachers, the scriptures, an unbeliever, the church, a direct word from God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. When you look at this list, it's pretty clear that God speaks to you and gives advice to you and guidance to you however He wants to. I mean, if God can use writing on a wall, He can use writing on your cell phone, right? I mean, if God can use a trumpet, then He can use your MP3 player. God speaks and gives advice in any way that He chooses to. It's not very helpful, is it? But I want to turn to one way in the New Testament that God speaks a lot. And that is the last one. I want you to picture this scene, because Jesus says that this is how God is going to speak to us clearly after He ascends to heaven. Here's the scene. Jesus has been with with His disciples for three years, and, and they've been following Him around doing everything that He does. This is God in human form. That's what we believe about Jesus. And these men, these 12 disciples and a lot of other disciples actually, are following Jesus around. And so... Getting the advice of God is extremely easy. I mean, if they want to know what donkey to ride, they can go up to Jesus and they can say, Hey, Jesus, which donkey should I pick? If they want to know where to go next, where they're going to travel next, well, they just listen to Jesus because Jesus is saying, It's time for us to go to Galilee. It's time for us to go to Capernaum. We're going here and we're going there. And so for these guys, the advice of God is easy to find. Now the disciples and Jesus are sitting in this upper room and the tensions are rising around Jesus. People are very mad. The religious leaders want to kill Him. They've just had the Last Supper. It's called the Last Supper for a reason. And they're sitting there talking after after this Last Supper. And Jesus looks at these men who have followed Him around. This is what they do in life. They are disciples. That's what they do is they follow Him and they copy Him. And He says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. 
you will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Now we know that Jesus is talking about death, but for the disciples, they're thinking, why can't I go where you're going? I mean, I've followed you around for three years. I've given up time with family. I've sacrificed my career. I've given up just about everything in order to follow you around. And now you're telling me that I can't go where you're going to go. Peter sums it up pretty well. He says, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. He says, Jesus, I'm going where you're going no matter what. And then we see Thomas the next chapter say, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? So Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying, look, here's everything you need to know because he knows he's about to die and then he's going to rise again and ascend into heaven, but there's not a lot of teaching time left. And he knows he's coming up against it and he knows that, that he needs to help his disciples learn just about everything that he hasn't already taught them. And so he's sitting there and he's having this conversation with them and he tells them he's leaving and they say, well, you can't leave us. And I'm sure they're thinking, if he leaves us, how are we going to know what to do? They're not thinking about how horrific Jesus' death is going to be. They don't understand that until, it's in, until Jesus is in the middle of, of being beaten and crucified. They don't get it. But, but they're thinking, how am I going to know what to do? I mean, what am I, I going to do with my life? I'm not going to have a clue what to do next because I've left everything and you've told me everything. And, and here is what Jesus says in John 15. Verse 26 and 27 is where we'll start and end the chapter 16. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Continuing in chapter 16. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when this time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to the one who sent me. None of you asked, where you, are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very I truly I tell you, it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove to the world... He will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what I will make known to you. Jesus is going to be killed and he knows it. And he knows that these guys are struggling with the idea of what they're going to do next. And he says, look, you don't need to worry about what you're going to do next because, because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. It's very interesting what Jesus says here. Let me just repeat verse 7. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
Now, a couple things need to be clarified, right? I mean, the advocate. What is the advocate? Well, that's a reference to the Holy Spirit. And the word means the helper in some translations. And really... When we think about the Holy Spirit, we're thinking about a helper that comes into our life. And so Jesus looks at them and says, the helper is going to come to you. I don't know whether or not they knew that was the Holy Spirit, but eventually they understand that the Holy Spirit is what Jesus is referencing. And so Jesus says, you don't need to worry about when I leave because the Holy Spirit, the helper, is going to come and he's going to guide you into all truth. Now what's fascinating about this, what's so fascinating about this is that Jesus seems to be saying that it's better for the Holy Spirit to be there than it is for He Himself to be there. Now think about this with me. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is God. And that's a different sermon altogether to explain that to you and look at those verses and and things like that. But let me give you three reasons that that we know that the Holy Spirit is God and we believe in a a Trinitarian form of God here at Creekside and and in all evangelical Christianity. And we believe that God is in three persons, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible shows us that the Holy Spirit is part of that in three ways. First of all, He is equated with God. When the Bible says that there is only one God and then equates the Holy Spirit with God, then we can surmise that the Holy Spirit is part of who God is. Second of all, uh, He does the work of God. He creates, He indwells, He sanctifies people. And so we see Him in the New Testament doing the work of God. And third, uh, we see that He contains the same attributes of God. And so you read about the Holy Spirit and and you read about the Father and you read about Jesus and and all three of them are holy and pure and perfect and all-powerful and omniscient. And they just are the same in the way that they're described. And so we know the Holy Spirit is God. And so when Jesus says it's better that the Advocate comes, it's because He is. Now look, He even uses a word that strengthens this. He uses the word sumphero for it's good for the Holy Spirit to come. And it means expedient, to bear, bring together, to contribute, to collect, hence to be profitable, expedient, advantageous. Jesus is saying, it's better that the Holy Spirit comes and I go away for you. And I think specifically today, we need to recognize that within the context of making life's decisions. How can this be? If Jesus is fully God, as you just said, how can it be that it's better for the Holy Spirit to come? Well, the Bible tells us and makes quite clear that when Jesus came in human form, He took on flesh, and as part of that, He took on some of the the difficulties of being a human being. We're not all-powerful. We're not all-knowing. And so Jesus, although He is fully God, takes on flesh and is a fully human person, He doesn't know the future, and He's not all-powerful. And so, when He says that it's better for the Holy Spirit to come, He isn't mincing words. He's not messing around. He is saying, when it comes to your life and what you need to do and the decisions that you need to make, the Holy Spirit is better for you than me in this limited state that I'm in. That's a big deal. I mean, that's a really big deal because when we think about decisions, don't we think if Jesus would just come down and sit with me and I could have a conversation with Him, then I could get the advice I need from God to make the right decision. Isn't that what you think? 
If Jesus were still here, if I was one of the disciples, it would have been so easy to do what God wanted me to do. But Jesus is saying the opposite of that. He's saying the Holy Spirit makes it easier for you to make the decisions that God wants you to make. The Holy Spirit's interesting, isn't it? Because when we think about the Holy Spirit and already what I've said we have like this picture of people in other churches where they're weird, right? And and we jump to like these very charismatic gifts when the topic of the Holy Spirit comes up and we think, oh man, I mean we got the speaking in tongues and people are going to be trying to push me down to the ground and, and uh, all this crazy stuff and they're going to try to heal me? I mean, how could they try to heal me? That'd be... And we jump to these things, right? And so it seems in American Christianity, for some reason, you have, you have two types of people. People who take the Holy Spirit and abuse who He is and turn Him into things that, that He probably wasn't meant to be turned into and that we don't see in the Bible. I'm not against healing. I'm not against speaking in tongues. I'm not against those things. But it seems like they get abused a lot, right? And then we have people on the other side. And I think that if, if we had to be on a side, we would probably be in this side here at this church. We say, well, that Holy Spirit, He's all right. But give me the Father and give me Jesus. Right? Isn't that kind of the side that, that we're here? And we don't, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. And we don't sing many songs to the Holy Spirit. We sing to Jesus. We sing to the Father. Uh, but we don't sing like, hey, Holy Spirit, I love you very often. And, and we don't talk about the Holy Spirit very much. But, but Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit gives you better advice than even He could give in His human state. Now, there's another reason that, that, that that's true. And that is the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is within us. What Paul says in Romans 5, 5, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's been given to us. So we see that the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, this is the picture it paints, the Holy Spirit is not just surrounding us and talking to us like, like we would have with Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, and I don't know how this works, but it comes inside of us in some way. Probably in a spiritual way and not a physical way, but, but the Holy Spirit comes within us. And, and so instead of needing advice from outside of us, the Bible makes clear that the Holy Spirit comes within us when we accept the gift of salvation of Jesus on the cross. Listen to Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desire, desires. Excuse me, But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. And so we see in the books that Paul writes this dichotomy between living in the flesh and living in the Spirit. And it's pretty easy to jump to, well, that's sin versus not sin, right? But I think when we take the New Testament as a whole, we're talking about living a life where we make decisions on our own. In the flesh, we do whatever feels good, whatever's easiest, whatever makes sense to us in our logical minds versus a life that says, I will do what God wants me to do. I will listen to the Holy Spirit that is within me, guiding me, drawing me to the right decisions. Now when you look at the Bible and you read it, it's just so clear that this is just a major way that God gives His advice and His guidance to us. Just listen to this. I mean, in Luke 12, 
Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking about after he leaves them. They don't know that yet. I mean, this isn't even the end of Jesus' life. But listen to what he says. He says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. You see that? I mean, what they say is not going to be sinful. I mean, this isn't like the Holy Spirit will teach you not to say a swear word. I mean, he's talking about when they're being persecuted and they've been arrested and they might be beaten and they might even be killed. And he says, hey, the Holy Spirit will give you advice and guidance on what words should come out of your mouth. So many of us wrestle with decisions about what we should say, right? I mean... How do I talk to that family member about Jesus? Or how do I resolve that conflict at work? Jesus says, well, if you want my advice, it's going to come through the Holy Spirit. There's more examples of this in the New Testament. It's, it's really full of them. In Acts 1, we see a story where people have just witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. He's been on the earth for about 50 days and, and uh, he's, he's living amongst the people and he's talking to people and, and he's hanging out and, and he's coming to the point where he's about to leave and he looks at his disciples and he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, Hey, I don't want you to do any witnessing outside of Jerusalem until you are guided and advised by the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, because we think, well, they should be telling everybody already. I mean, Jesus is resurrected. Go out, spread it, tell the whole world, go all over the place. But Jesus says, look, you need the advice and the guidance for how to do this whole church thing from my Holy Spirit. And so he advises them on where to go and who to preach to. And when you go through the book of Acts, it becomes just an incredible story of God's advice and guidance coming into the lives of people in Acts 4.8 just after this, not too long after the early church has just started. And we see this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people. Peter's a living testimony to what Jesus has said. He's standing there as an unlearned person. He just, he's not educated in the things of, of God the way that these leaders are. And he opens his mouth and he gives this sermon because the Holy Spirit advises him on what to say. And the people go, wait a minute. I didn't think this guy was educated. So again, we see the Holy Spirit advising. In Acts 8.29, a story that we've already uh, alluded to in, in this sermon series. This, this is what it says. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And, and we put the map up a couple of weeks ago, and Philip's way up here, and Jerusalem's here, and, and that's his home. And, and God tells him through an angel, go down here uh, to the road that connects to Gaza. And then, uh, and then the Holy Spirit says, go up to that chariot right there. The Holy Spirit advises him to walk up to a chariot. This isn't a sin and not sin thing. This is advice from God. And when Philip gets to the chariot, he leads an Ethiopian man to Jesus. In Acts 10, 19, and 20, we read, While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. He's even telling Peter to go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them. For I have sent them. And so we see the Spirit guiding Peter to go with these men who are Gentiles. And Peter would have never have thought to go hang out with Gentiles. And he goes into their house. And you know what? You're a Christian today if you're a Christian. Because Peter listened to the advice and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And he got up and he said, I'm going to go preach to the Gentiles about Jesus and what he has done for humanity. 
In Acts 13, 2-4, we read this, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And so we see again, not a sin-nonsense issue. Saul is Paul, right? And Paul has accepted Jesus and now he's hanging out in the church. And, and some other people, not even Paul, nor Barnabas, is, is getting this message from the Spirit. But these other guys who are in church with them are praying and they're fasting and they're listening to the Spirit of God within them. And the Spirit says, hey, you know, here's what I want you to do. Send Paul and Barnabas out to be missionaries. And the entire world has changed because they listened to the Spirit and sent them on their way. If you think that the Holy Spirit only talks to these great men who have their names in the Bible, this is a, a pretty good defense against that because these men, their names aren't even in the Bible. And yet they, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, are responsible for the greatest missionary endeavor that the, that the church has ever known. If you look at Acts fifteen twenty-eight. There's a council called because there's this argument amongst early believers. And the argument goes like this. Some people say, those non-Jewish people who are calling themselves Christians need to do all of the stuff we need to do. They need to eat like us. They need to dress like us. They need to follow all of our customs and our laws. And another group of Christians, Paul being at the forefront of that, says, no, that's not true. We're no longer living under the Old Testament law. We're now living according to the Spirit. And so these people don't need to do all of the customs of the Jewish people. And so they call this council, and then in Acts 15:28, the early leaders, the disciples mainly, they come back with their decision, and here's what they say. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And so we see even the requirements for the non-Jewish Christians come as the disciples, the early church leaders, they listen to the guidance and the advice of the Holy Spirit who is within them. It's pretty crazy. Acts 16.6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. The Holy Spirit even advises Paul to not go somewhere and preach the Bible. It's easy for us who are on this side over here where we say, well, the Holy Spirit, you're okay, but we're not going to get sucked into you too much because we don't want all that crazy stuff. It's easy for us to say, well, when the Bible talks about following the Spirit, it just is simply referring to following the rules. But it's pretty clear, if the Holy Spirit is guiding Paul and his companions not to go preach the Gospel somewhere, then the Holy Spirit must be guiding us in a lot of other ways besides just following the law. It would have made no sense for Paul to say, hey, we no longer live by the law. We live according to the Holy Spirit if there wasn't more to the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit than to just avoid sin. So the New Testament makes very clear to us that if we want the advice, the guidance of God in our lives, then one of the main ways that God is going to provide that for us is through His Holy Spirit. Now when you think about it, it's not an answer I know that you guys want, right? I mean, you're looking for step one, step two, step three, because you're Americans. And, and we'll talk about some more steps later coming up. But, but, but you, you might even be thinking, this is crazy, it doesn't sound traditional. 
You know, I mean, come on. The Holy Spirit, that's, that I'm really going to receive advice from the Holy Spirit. He's really, I mean, come on, it worked in the Bible, but man, it's really going to work that way. Well, the, here's the thing. This isn't just a biblical concept, but, but through the tradition, the history of our church, we see the same concept come up in the people who have followed God closely. Origen, who was the greatest theologian before Augustine, he talks about uh, decisions in his book called Spirit and Fire. And he talks about how being able to make decisions is part of being human. But he talks also about how being able to make good decisions comes as we learn to follow the Holy Spirit. Bernard of Clairvaux, who was one of the most influential theologians of his time, early 1500s, he wrote a a volume called Five Books on Consideration. Consideration basically was his word for discernment or decision-making, and in it he talks about the Holy Spirit's guidance. Ignatius talked greatly about the Holy Spirit and determining what he is saying to us, and we will talk more about that next week because he has just tremendous things to say on it. And Jonathan Wesley for the Wesleyans. Uh, he started that movement. Uh, he, he talked in his writings on, on Christianity uh, about the speaking of the Holy Spirit and decision making and how we must interact with that and determine when the Holy Spirit is talking. And, and so we see down through the ages this common theme that God speaks through the Holy Spirit. And you can look at story after story of how people listen to the Holy Spirit. Now here, here's the two big questions. I mean, I mean, here, it's pretty easy. I mean, you're probably thinking, how do I know when the Holy Spirit is talking, right? And that's one of the big questions. And that's what we're going to cover uh, in great detail, at least some detail next week. And, and if we need to push the sermon series longer, we'll do it for two more weeks. But, I mean, how, how do we know it's the Holy Spirit? Because I have lots of thoughts, right? And some of them are really stupid and really bad. But how do I know when the Holy Spirit is, is talking to me? And the, and the second question is, is how does the Holy Spirit speak? I mean, what does that mean? Is it just a thought that pops into my head? Do I have a feeling? I mean, what does that look like? And we'll also cover that next week and moving on in more detail. But, but, but here's what, what I think is the, the key to it. The Holy Spirit, how He speaks, probably in every way that I already listed, right? I mean, He probably speaks however He wants to speak to you. But, but here, here's what we need to know this morning and, and as we move forward in this series. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. I mean, I think we could, we could sit here and we could talk about, well, if you, if you do this, this, and this, and, 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 and if, you, if you, uh, you know, do the right steps, and, and if you listen for this type of voice, and, and, and we'll talk about some of that. But, 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 but here's, I, I don't think most of you are even listening. You say, well, how do you listen? Well, that's a ridiculous question. I mean, you're listening right now to me, and, and so you know how to listen to somebody. And I think we need to do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. I think because of the, the technology in our world, because of all the things that we have to do, I think that we want a quick fix to listening to God. Like, hey, just send me a text message or something, God. But, but God is saying, look, I want you to ask for my advice, and then I want you to to listen for my advice. And I really think that the way we listen is just like this. We set aside time and we listen. We just listen. So I tested it yesterday. 
I went on a walk, and, and I'm telling you, this is a personal series to me because it's something that I've just wrestled with. You know, I wouldn't say struggled with it because, because sometimes it's easier not to struggle with this topic. We just kind of live and we make decent decisions, and I'm a pretty good decision maker. I've, I've done pretty well in my life so far up to this point, but, but, but it's an easy thing just to dismiss. But, I, but I, I have you know, mentally thought, well, how does this work? How do I know? And so I'm working on this, and so, you know, I just wanted you to know this morning, the Holy Spirit speaks, and it gives you advice, and you need to listen. And so I said, look, I'm going to take a walk, God, this was just yesterday, and I said, okay, I'm going to take this walk, and I walk and pray, and that's normal, but I'm going to pray a little bit, and I'm going to ask God for advice on a couple of things, one being how to finish this sermon today, and then I'm just going to walk, and I'm going to try to listen. A lot of times when we jump to listening, for some people, at least in theological circles, we jump to like this Eastern mystic type of stuff where we we need to like clear our minds and like get some kind of a mantra and repeat it over and over. But there's nothing like that. I'm just listening like I would listen to you if we were walking together. I just kept my mouth shut. I kept my phone down and and, and I just walked. And I'm walking and then... You know, I mean, oh, I need to text Brandon about something. And, and I'm like, no, no, just listen. And, and, and oh, that's a cool treehouse. You know, and so I'm, I'm just trying not to be distracted. I'm trying to walk. And, and I'm trying to say, God, I'm just, I'm here. And I'm listening to you. Now, this is the point where normally I would say it wasn't like there was a sign or anything. But in fact, there was a sign. This sign right here. Walked by this sign a bunch. I've driven by it a bunch more. I bike by it. We run by it. And... I come to this sign, right? And, and I, I look at it, and it says, Salem is listening. Now you think, well, that, Chad, come on, don't put signs where there's not signs. I mean, it's literally a sign, but you know what I mean. And, and, I, I, and something about it, when I read it, it just jumped off of that sign. And, and I'm like, okay, God. I mean, I just, it was like, here it is. Tell the church you're not listening. I mean, Salem is listening to this radio station, but are you listening to God? And so here, here's what I think listening is like. I think God's like a radio station, right? And in our world, we have a million choices on what we can listen to. I mean, we got our audio books, and we got movies, and we got lots of other radio stations, whatever that might mean. And, and we got, you know, just everything. I mean, we can, we can just listen to a million things. We can hang out with friends and have conversations. We can listen to all these things. But I think that we need to make a conscious decision. To say, God, I'm listening to you right now. Everything else is off. I need advice on this issue. I'm going to put away the audiobooks and the movies and everything else. And I'm going to tune in to you. And I knew I needed to give that, that example to you. And, and it came as I was tuning in to God. I was just, God just speak to me. It wasn't magical. It just, I just, it was like, wow, Salem is listening. But I don't think that most Christians, while they want the advice of God, they want it. And they might ask for it. But I don't think they're listening. And so what I think God wants you to hear today is that you need to listen. And you need to take time to listen. So I walked down and, and I continued to walk and I went down to a new coffee shop, and, uh, and I'm, I'm finished up my sermon. I wrote this out, right? And uh, I put the, that example in the radio, and, and I finished up the sermon. And I'm walking back, and, and I really don't want to be the guy that puts signs where there's not signs. You know, you, you've known people where it's like, oh, I saw a cloud that looked like a thing, and so I know God wants me to whatever. You've been there, right? You know, you know people like that. I didn't want to be that guy. And, and so I'm walking back, and I'm coming up to the sign, and I'm like, God... I really don't want to just 
put words in your mouth. I mean, I think I might have literally said that. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't want to tell these people that you spoke to me through this Salem is listening sign if you didn't really speak to me. So I walk by it and nothing. I go, okay, you know, it's a sign. I might go with the example. I might not go with the example. And I get 15, 20 feet past the sign. I turn around and give it one more glance. And here it is. It says 1430. And I knew that I needed to look up John 1430 without question. And I knew it was going to be awesome. And so I get my, I got my phone going, right? The phone is handy. Uh, it's not good for listening to God. But, but once God's spoken to you, then you can get your phone back out. And, and I open it up, and it says, I will not say much more to you. Well, that doesn't... <laughs> That's that's strange, right? I, I knew it was going to speak to me. I, I, there was like no question in my mind. And that's the beginning. And, and then it says, um, For the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. And, and so I'm like, okay, what's that? And, and I'm like, well, there's got to be something. I knew. You know, I mean... I didn't even know that there was a John 14:30, and I knew that it was going to be something God wanted me to hear without question. So I look, I look at the context of Jesus saying what he said there, I, I will not say much more to you. And listen to the context. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is one is the one who loves me. Anyone who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said. And then Jesus continues on and then he says, I'm not going to be with you much longer. It's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is saying, look, I'm not there with you anymore. But yet the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I said as a follower and... He will lead you into all truth. My time on that earth ran out, but now God has sent the Holy Spirit, if you have given your life to Jesus, so that He's in you. It's living within you. And He's guiding you into everything that I've said and even more. And so this morning, I just want you to hear this. You need to ask God for advice. That's what James tells us. And then you need to take time to listen. As I was processing this, and this isn't, I mean, I did think about this on the walk, but this was not, like, fully spirit-led. But, but as I was thinking about it, the people I know who are Christians and take walks with God, just walk a lot, they seem to hear from the Holy Spirit more. I had never put two and two together before that, but people who walk, that I know, and this may not be universal, but the people who walk and just take walks, get away from everything, they seem 
to say things like, I really feel and, and think God is telling me to, more than people who don't. And, and I don't think it's the walking that's the big deal. I think it's the listening. And so, so what I want, as you look at those pieces of paper in front of you, it, it's so easy to say, hey God, I need advice. Give me a sign. But God is saying, look, listen to me. Shut it all off and just listen to me. Get away from everything. Go upstairs. Do whatever you need to do. But let me speak to you. Because everything else in your life is too loud. You're tuned into the wrong radio stations. You've got the wrong stuff on your iPhones. It's just too loud. Listen to me. So this morning I want to I want to finish by, by practicing that. And so I'm going to say a prayer. And you have things on your pieces of paper, advice of God, that you want it. And, and I'm going to say a prayer, and then I'm just going to give you like a minute or two, and it's going to feel like a long time in dead silence. But, but I, just, I just want us to sit here and listen. We believe as a church that God manifests His presence most powerfully when we gather together. And so this morning, as we are gathered, I just I really believe God is here and He's with us and, and He's already spoken to your hearts through His Word. Uh, but you need advice on things. So we're going to take a minute to two minutes and we're just going to listen. And then Mike will come up here and close us in worship. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you, God, that, that we have the advocate in us if, God, we have given our lives to you. And, and first I want to ask that, that every person in this room would give their life to you, God. I pray that every person would accept your gift of salvation so that, that you can come within them, God, and, and just lead them and guide them, God. For those of us who have, I pray, Lord, that, that we would listen to you. God, I apologize for, for how often, God, we... We ask for you to guide us, but we don't really care to take time to find an answer, to listen for an answer, God. And, and I just pray you change that within us, Lord. I pray that we would be a, a congregation who gets away with you and just listens, just, just seeks your advice, God, your wisdom, your guidance for all of life's daily decisions. Lord, I know people are wrestling with jobs. I know people are wrestling with, with relationship stuff, God. I know people are, are wrestling with financial decisions. And I, I know that there's other decisions that, that people haven't even expressed to me that they're, that they're just wrestling with, God. And they need to hear from you. And, and Lord, I pray that, that they would take time to listen to you. And God, this morning, as we sit here just for a minute or two, and I know, God, we don't want to put you on a, on a time limit or anything, God, but, but, but I just pray that you would speak to hearts and you would provide that advice as we just take a minute or two and listen to you and the Holy Spirit within us this morning, God. Ask these things in your name. Amen.